Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Minute with Mark. I am doing this live via a Facebook Live on four different channels. Coming straight at you, my side-by-side apprentice, Jordan Davis, young 22-year-old all-star. He is kind of my right-hand man, so he is with me several hours a day, anywhere from four to 12 hours in a day. And he kind of scribes and takes little notes on stupid shit I say and wants and he just writes things down. And so last week when I released this, people went, I mean, people seem to consume it and get a lot of value. So we're going again this week. He's got eight things. I'm going to attempt to keep this under 27 minutes. And to the Facebook livers, I would love it if you get value from anything I'm saying. Throw me a heart, throw me a like, throw me something like that. Kind of carries me along. So. Without further ado, Minute with Mark, round two with Jordan, stuff he's learned. Jordan, nice and loud, kick it. Number one. I love it. Number one, um, I love the story that you were telling um, when you first got into internet marketing and yep. how you figured out SEO and keywords and stuff on YouTube and even how that's important. All right. So like- SEO. So what specifically did you want just to share the story a little yeah, bit? Share the story. So here's a short story on SEO. When I got started, it's been a decade now, but a decade ago... There weren't courses to buy on SEO. You couldn't buy courses on Facebook. Well, Facebook barely existed. It didn't exist. But you couldn't buy how-to courses, or I didn't know where they were. But I had keywords I wanted to rank for on YouTube, and very quickly I realized the content of the video had nothing whatsoever to do with the ranking on YouTube. And so from my other book, um, and I don't recall the book, it talked about one of the top artist schools in New York City, and how this famous artist professor would sit in Apple on a circle table, shine a spotlight on it, and for three days, his students, the assignment was for three days, day one, eight hours, look at the apple. Don't draw, don't scribble, don't do anything. This was to artists who were going to paint that apple. He said, just stare at the apple. It was eight hours, no moving, staring at the apple. He said, pay attention to the details, pay attention to the little grains, pay attention to everything in the apple. Day two, he put him in a different spot on the table, stare at the apple, eight more hours. That was it. Day three, go ahead and paint the apple. So I had just read this story and I was just dying to rank at the top of YouTube for certain keywords because I knew they were cash words. And I knew my videos were better than all the guys that were ranking. And so I was just perplexed. And so I would spend literally in my office, I would spend an hour or two a day for several days. And I would just stare. I would type in a keyword and I would stare at the screen and notice every detail I could about how those videos made the top 10, made the first page. And what I found out after hours of staring at the screen with no instruction, no knowledge, no tricks, no nothing, was I realized that YouTube was following very much like a Wikipedia situation. And Wikipedia was following the algorithm that is YouTube, or that was Google. And Google was founded as a research tool for intellectual studies. So first off, I started writing my descriptions as encyclopedic. So the travel company I was with back then, we'll call it ABC Travel. I would say ABC Travel, founded in 1982 by XYZ, is a travel club that does ABC and pays XYZ to XYZ. It's called an Australian two-up, 
And I would write it like an encyclopedia, and all of a sudden I saw myself rising. The next thing I noticed was that the top videos often had the keyword in the subject or the keyword in the username. And so all of a sudden I realized that if the username, like, so if someone was YouTubing Mark Hoverson and the site was called Official Mark Hoverson, just the username, that actually carried more weight than the description. So very quickly, once I started piecing, and I, this was started by just staring blankly at the page of number one in the top 10. Then I found out that we could see the raw files originally, what they named the raw file. So the video that they uploaded. And if you use the keyword in the video raw file upload, that also triggered rank. So anyway, I found out, and this is the same kind of stuff today, although timestamping and relevancy and real-time data and comments also crank weight on, you, on Google now. So they're screwing around with their algorithm and always will. But YouTube is, is also very similar to how they were a decade ago in terms of how they rank. And what I realized was I actually cracked the code to how to rank for any keyword at any time in the top 10. So then I went to like a Fiverr or some outsourcing thing. I hired an Indian who called himself Josh. His real name was not Josh, but they would name him Josh. And I said, here's 200 keywords, one video, one website, and I gave him a template on how to write with each keyword. And I was on the front page of virtually every relevant keyword in my niche for over six months. And about 78% of my revenue came from YouTube during those days because of staring and chilling out and focusing to find an answer. If you got value from that, send me a little love, send me something. You know, just a little something lets me know that there's value there. All right, so that's one. Number two, we're off. Number two was just um, knowing, learning the origins of different things and the stories behind them and how they come to. Yeah, so just a general principle is the origin story of a thing allows you to understand the thing. So with YouTube, um, basically I tracked it back to find out and eventually learned that Google was really a library device designed to decimate the Dewey Decimal System and get rid of that complex system and allow people to research. And so what they do is they index books. And its native origin of Google is a research tool. So if you know this, you can then write your content research sounding, which is why that's how the spider pulls and, and ranks. So anyway, but I learned that not, not from any course. I learned that from staring intently with resolve to find out the answers. And I think the practical takeaway is you can look at somebody and model who has what you have, who, who has what you want, who achieves similar to what you want to achieve, and learn to just focus and shut the hell up and stare and observe intently to look for tricks and hacks and secrets. And by doing that, I've done that over and over, but the gist of number two is I love knowing the history and the origin of a thing because that is where you understand how to shift like the platon, like, like the core origin is where you can really understand something truly. So in, for instance, our industry, our niche, most of you who are hearing my voice, our niche was founded by disgruntled network marketers who didn't want to talk to friends and family or they tried. So they were sold generally in our niche. You've got people who believe in residual income, 
who believe in lifestyle, who have gotten into personal development, but the model of approaching people in the flesh was just uncomfortable. And so we have a, a little bit of an extrovert-introvert hybrid, but where we just don't want to like do the friends and family thing, so we get good online. So we're actually a merger of online marketing, network marketing, and we're right in the middle where we're social, because true online marketers, you don't even know who they are. I have friends that joined me originally that we worked together for a year or two, and now, now they make a half a million bucks a year doing stuff that they don't. They, no one even knows they exist, okay? That's online marketing. Network marketing is, so I'm 24-7 on Facebook, on the phone, 24-7, 24-7, 24-7, in front of people, sharing my opportunity 24-7. If they have a pulse, I share it. That is network marketing, often. No offense, I love network marketing. And then right in the middle, Jordan, you got to get me a battery charger because this computer is going to die until I plug this little cord in. And voila. Just like that, we're all about it, I think. All right, Jordan, you got to get this plugged in. The ship's going down fast. All right, next one, Jordan. The next one was uh, the Bachelor four-star dinner. Bachelor four-star dinner. Explain it a little more. When uh, taking all the leftovers and putting something together. uh, Oh, yeah, so Jordan, uh, one night, I don't know know where she was. I don't know where the kids were. I don't know where anything was, but it was just Jordan and I for some reason. And uh, I prepared, I basically showed Jordan how to make, uh, what was it? It was really great. It was like a chicken strips and pasta. It was and chicken and pasta and like wine and cheese and ramens and shit. But it was like a four or five star meal. And I really said, like, in a restaurant, this is about a $25 plate minimum. And here we've got the cheese, the wine, the, it was just really a beautiful spread. And I said, as you get a little older... One of the glories you can really enjoy is instead of going out to eat sometimes, like creating your own meal and relishing in the fact that it's delicious, you have total control over the ingredients, and it's it's in your own house so you can be wearing a robe or wearing your boxers or whatever. And I just prefer that to a restaurant. It's 50-50. I love going out to eat, but it feels good to create a really expensive experience in your home. And enjoy that just as much. So that was a little bachelor trick. Number four? Number four. Number four. We're moving fast. If you got any value for that, like whatever. But one thing you can really do to add is, you know, in the in the scriptures, they remember the Emmaus Road story. So this is after Christ dies. Two of his disciples are walking the Emmaus Road at night. And Christ, and in those days, he would walk with a cloak or with like a hoodie, Okay. So you'd walk with a hoodie because it could be bugs or whatever. So Christ meets two of his disciples at night walking the Emmaus Road. And he talks to them the whole walk, which I don't I don't know what that walk is. A few hours, I suppose. And he's talking to them about the prophecies of the Psalms and how they got fulfilled in this Messiah. But he didn't tell them he was the Christ. And if you follow the story, it's not until they get to the supper table, which would be candlelit, remember, Ancient world, they didn't get into the inn, and it was just blitzed out light like we're used to now. It's it's candlelight, so it's still dark. They still got the hoodies. And it wasn't until he lifted the bread and broke it to say grace that they realized it was him. And some scholars, I think the sharpest ones, think that Christ took such delight in eating 
that he had a special way of grace that was so telling that that was the tell. Oh my gosh, that's him. And so, and if you look at other scripture stuff, you look at, you look at things like, uh, they say that heaven is a marriage supper of the lamb, a marriage supper with the lamb. Like they literally describe heaven as eating, right? And I don't think it's metaphorical. I think it's real. And so anyway, I love eating. I love feasting. I love festivities and food is a central aspect. So number five, yeah, we are burning through this. I'm loving this. Okay, number five, hit it. This one was quick. Just okay. uh, the properly cutting of a cigar. The proper cutting of a cigar. So here's the deal. Jordan and I go out for a cigar. I smoke probably three, five cigars a week or so. And he cuts just this cigar mercilessly, right? It's just a merciless cut. Well, I've been to Tampa and Mexico and all. I've seen, I've been in roll shops where they roll these cigars. And many, little side story of old school cigars. Um, the Cubans who would work in those factories, like a lot of cigar brands are called things like Romeo and Julieta, the Monte Cristo. You have a lot of ancient Shakespearean kind of old classic English great titles in the cigar names. And where that comes from is while they would be rolling throughout the day, the owners of the plant, of the tobacco plants, would read Shakespeare so that the workers could become educated in, in high-level English while they were working. So that's where Romeo and Julieta, um, many of the names of old cigar brands come from, was they would read while they rolled. So a little sidebar there. Um, and then I was teaching Jordan how to actually cut a cigar because there's a little nub, blah, blah, blah. I kind of use a visual to get sense of that. Anyway, number six. Number six. Gosh, this is great. I'm pumped. We're going to get done under 27 minutes. So I'm thrilled here. And if you guys got questions and stuff like this after the eight minutes, I'm going to go for 27 minutes today. So if we finish the eight, I'll take questions. We can just go. You guys can ask me whatever you want. Um, and if you listen to me with the markets because we're going Facebook Live and there's across several channels, we have several Many, many people. So anyway, Jordan, number set. six. Number six, hit it. Uh, I love the example you gave of branding. You know, when you're branding and marketing to people, it's kind of like branding. You get the example Yes, okay. Now. So I was telling Jordan the origin of branding. So again, when you go origins, you go to the original, and radical means original radical root. So it means the start of something. So when you're talking about a personal brand, um, what is commonly thought of right now is when you would take, like, let's say it's Hoverson Farms, and I would take a burning fork, right, because pastures run into each other. So, like, if if the cows would run into each other, or the cattle, usually cattle fields are next to each other, separated by a fence, and oftentimes those fences break with snowstorms and windstorms and stuff, so different cows go to different places. So what is commonly thought of as, as branding is that it's like a sear thing, and you you burn it into the leather which is the flesh that's all leather is is flesh which is a side point if you have expensive jackets expensive couches expensive car seats that are leather expensive shoes you got to remember and i learned this from a shoe guru like a total you didn't you wouldn't think there's a shoe guru but there's actually a shoe guru and she was telling me that your leather shoes are just skin and just like we're in i'm in live in the desert half year so she said just like your skin needs extra moisturizer in the winter or in the just while you're in the desert, all your leather goods 
can use normal, just nighttime lotion, unscented stuff. So since that time, I've taken great care of my leathers, and it's amazing. But anyway, uh, food for thought on that. Remember that. But it'll it'll extend your couch life. It'll extend like this this thing I'm sitting on is about four thousand bucks. This is twenty thousand dollars a couch I've got right here. Nineteen thousand actually. And every probably ninety days, we take leather polish, which is really not that much different than facial or body lotion, really. And we just buffer and do that to preserve the quality. But anyway, what was my point? I had a point. Oh, branding. So usually we think of the branding as searing Hoverson Farms into the cattle. So if they go over, the brand is there and it's in the same spot at all times. So that's what we kind of think of the branding if we even think that deep. But actually what I was telling Jordan, I said, I far prefer the metaphor that's even deeper than that, which is like duckling imprinting. So imprinting is when, if a duckling comes out, to my understanding, I am not a I am not a professional in this, so I'm a little out of my league. I just, I read this, and so this is all I got, is what I read. But I believe that a duckling, if you come out and it sees a goose, it'll actually brand and imprint to the goose, and it'll imprint to the first teacher it lays its eyes on. And so I said one of the most powerful things you can do online is you can do an imprinting process. And I said, what really has driven my brand from the start is often I start with people who are brand new, who have no knowledge. And what, what, what I do intentionally is imprint the most basic how-tos in front of them so that they can go from, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Now I know it. Now I know it. And it actually imprints learning, which is one of the highest buzz things you can do in a mind is the neurolog. Okay. Your neural pathways, when you're learning something new, like you're learning a language, it, it creates a kind of neuroactivity that can't be replicated through watching a movie, can't be replicated through sex, can't be replicated through visually exciting stuff. It can only be fully lit up in the process of gaining new information that you're interested in. So it's a unique neurological buzz. And I said the imprinting process of taking somebody who wants to be an online marketer and teaching them A, B, and C... D, E, F, blah, 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 Z, Z plus, and then you're doing algorithms once you get up to the high levels. I said it's very deliberate that I'm imprinting, and that's why I speak to the newbies so much, because it imprints, and that's how you build a brand. But anyway, it's going back to origins and stuff. There's value there. Um, if you're going to be an online marketer, and you're going to, and I tell you, whatever you're selling, the best way to sell it is through an educational way. When you're teaching people the value, we have a tough time from the outside if you have a product, you're on the inside of that product. You understand it better than we do. So it is your job to articulate the value, not force cram that shit in our face, but enlighten us to the values that are there because we have a tough time spotting value automatically. Just as humans, we don't tend to spot it. And so your job as a salesperson is to spot the value and educate people into valuing your product. And once that becomes a value... It starts going above the value of their money because money is a value. So once you, if you're a good teacher, you can actually teach your stuff. And once it thresholds over the breach point of value of money, they will give you the money to receive a higher value. This is all that's happening, guys, when you're making sales. That is the deal because everything's on a scale. So if there's a scale here, this is their money. This is your product. Until your product is more valuable than their money, they're going to hold on to their money. 
Okay, give me love. This is this is worthy That's of good. giving me love, guys, because there is no shortage of money. There is only a shortage of you being able to sell it, or you being able to speak to the right people to sell it. Because you can give a perfect educational story to the wrong person, and you're just wasting your time. So thank you guys, thank you guys, thank you for the love, Zoder. I'm getting some love. Adrian, my boy, Adrian, Adrian Pedraza, look him up. Uh, he is one of the most amazing Solomon CEO testimonies of all time. He literally bought, I mean, Adrian, I never used your testimony, by the way, but he told me he got Solomon CEO, which made him think kingly and royal. And he developed a mariachi, he's big in the mariachi world, and he, he creates some of the world's best accordions. And they're custom made in Italy. And they're the Pedraza brand. And I promise you, if you go to, I don't even know, feel free to Adrian, post your site at least on that, on that link. But Adrian Pedraza, he has the most beautiful, captivating Italian-made accordions that I've ever seen. And there's a huge niche and he sold a ton of them. And he's killing it. And I'm so proud of him. And he just sent me the whole Solomon CEO, told him how to lift his mind. Think like a businessman, provide for his wife, blah, 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 blah. All right, moving on. Number seven? So that was actually number five. So now we're on number six. Number six. Um, you, and we're at two minutes. We got to hustle. Yep, you were teaching me the importance of showing up in people's times of high in life. Oh, shit. This is clutch. <laughs> so a lot of times my phone rings. When I haven't talked to somebody for a while in my phone, I get a text from my friend that it rings. It's usually... And I was telling Jordan, it's usually one of two things. It's either they're in a freaking miserable crisis or they're at the highest height. They're, they achieved something. They got a promotion. They just moved into their house. Something that's celebrating. And I said, one of the things I deliberately do is that I know that my friends know. These are the friends that know me, grew up with me, stuff like that. That we, as, as just people, we are weather. We are like weather as a simile, kind of like weather. And my friends know that if they're down and they fucked up and it's bad, 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 they can call me and they know for sure I'm not going to judge them. They know for sure that I'm going to give them my best advice and I'm going to help them to the best of my ability and I'm not going to judge them and I'm not going to give a shit what they did. Because I've, I tell my friends, just once they enter that circle of friendship, I said, hey, we're in her now. My life is your life. My resources are your resources. And so if stuff hits the fan, and I don't say this to everybody, but once the threshold is crossed, if crap hits the fan, you can hit me anytime. And I will, I will do what I can. So in worst case scenarios, they, I get a lot of calls. And in best case scenarios, they know without a shadow of a doubt that if they got a raise, they could tell their cousin and their cousin might go, eh. Dad might go, yeah, you should have got a raise last year. It's an unpredictable feeling, but they know, I think at least, I think they know, because I get these calls all the time, that if they're on a high point and they've achieved something, they broke through something, they're proud of themselves, and they're looking for an external clap and applause, they know for sure, they can tell me, and I will show up with cheering. I will have the cheering committee. I will be pumped for them. They know for certain. And so as a friend, what I was telling Jordan is... To learn a stability of character where you show up, whether you have a shit ton of money in the bank or you got nothing in the bank, whether you're feeling good or your body's aching, you show up consistent 
and that allows your friends to have a stable friend and allows for a stable life. As stable as we can be inside the very topsy-turvy life. Okay, um, just about wrapped up. I did do a few minutes of intro, so we probably do are still under the 27-minute zone. If you got value from that, John Thompson, you got some value. Thompson, I would like to talk to you about a bunch of things, so let's connect, please, because there was a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about. I don't even remember what it was, but there's a bunch of stuff. John Thompson, Thompson Fitness, he has, how much cumulative, Thompson, do you think your body of work, how much fat has fallen off people's bodies because of you? You should accumulate that and, and keep a record of that. So when someone comes into Thompson Fitness, it can say 11,642 pounds of fat has been officially dropped by people walking in these stores add to the number and then they register and then they just start doing their fat loss or their muscle gain. It's food for thought. What are we on? Uh, number six. Number six. Sorry, seven, seven, seven. So if you're just joining us, this is, um, Jordan, my side by side compart compadre. And he is sharing eight things he learned from me this week. And we're at number seven. We're going to do number eight. And then I'm going to Joe Paulus's genius network annual event with Tony Robbins Mark Zuckerberg's wife, who I'm sure has a name, and I just dishonored her by not knowing it, but I just know she's Zuckerberg's wife. And a whole host, Dan Sullivan, Dean Graziosi, just a bunch of living legends. And Joe hooked Shani and I up with backstage passes so we could meet everybody. They're $10,000 tickets each. And so, Joe Polish, I love you. I love your friendship. Joe is one of the greatest men, really, I've ever met. He's in the top 20 easily. And I'll tell you a trick from Joe. If you give me, if if you want to hear a trick from Joe Polish, who's one of the most connected people in the entire world, like he's connected to everybody, just shoot me some likes. And if I see enough likes fall across the board real quick, it's a little bit of a gimmick to give me page ranks and things I don't understand. But my online people tell me this this helps things something, right? It does something. I don't know what. All right, here it is. Lots of love over here. Lots of love over here. Okay, here's what I learned from Joe. Um, and if this politically freaks you out, you know, it's okay. So years and years ago, um, Trump, Trump CEO calls me from, and Trump has tons of companies, so this isn't a big deal, but his CEO calls me of, of a network marketing company that Trump's putting his name on, which was a total joke, but anyway, Trump network. So I get invited to go meet Trump in New York city and I'm busy. Like I'm busy at the time. And I was like, and they were going to pay me handsomely and stuff. And I was like, bro, meeting people does not do it for me. And I'm busy. So thank you for the offer. They wanted me to do stuff with their programs and stuff. And I just said, I'm just busy. So no. Okay. Now, in retrospect, um, I don't regret that. I don't not regret it because I just don't allow myself to regret things because I haven't seen that work for me to believe in regret. It just doesn't do me any good. But my point is, what I've learned from Joe is at that moment of time when the CEO called me, I could have referred him to probably four to five people that would have done an excellent job in something I said no to. But I was just so focused on myself that I was like, now nah, this isn't a match for me. Thanks, but no thanks. And I let it go. And what I learned from Joe, and this is so valuable, is Joe, when he meets somebody... It's almost his default. How can I connect them to somebody who can help their dreams? 
And that's worth writing down. So when you meet somebody, how can I connect them to somebody else who can fulfill their dreams? So Joe is like the ultimate energy passer and relationship connector. And then what happens is when you create this great friendship, like Joe, uh, I'm not going to use names because I haven't asked for permission to use names, but very famous young entrepreneur. Uh, we just ended up becoming friends through a very bizarre series of events. And so I'm mentoring him, but he's very young and I'm very concerned that he doesn't get taken advantage of in our industry because he's so young. So I called Joe and I said, Joe, I got this young all-star who is such a dynamo and he's going to be bigger than probably anybody I know. I just want some mentoring for him. Do you know somebody? I don't have the time to do like the mentoring this kid needs. I want a protective agent over this kid. Who do you know that can that I can connect with to connect him with him so we have some protective cover? And Joe says, I don't know who that would be, but I know another young all-star. And he connected me with the other young all-star. And then I connected those two young all-stars. And now they have an alliance and a friendship that is at a best friend level. And they're looking out for each other, growing, consulting with me and you know Joe and They've got this network and it's beautiful, but I learned this stuff from Joe. How can you help it? Even when you don't have energy to do it yourself, how can you connect other people? Because and it's, there's not like an end game. Well, because then you become imprinting and they'll buy from you later. Like it gets, hopefully we can get to a point where we just do good because that's what we should do. Now, I'm not saying I'm at that point, um, but you know, it might just be worth thinking about all right number eight yeah last one last one jordan eight things that's all he's got from me in hours and hours and hours of time this is all he came up with here i'm just kidding the best Um, one i'll be the judge of that jordan well hit it i'm not there yet but you know when it comes to being a dad yeah um you know when you're out just thinking about your kids like picking up little gifts yeah so last night okay this was good last night uh i met with chris widener uh yesterday chris widener best-selling author new york times wall street journal spent six years with zig ziglar two years almost daily with jim Rohn. he's a legend from the og you know and chris has been a friend of mine for years and i haven't seen him for a couple years so we catch up and we're on our way home and we're driving by a great guitar center uh, which is just it's one of the best guitar centers that i've been to and i've been to i always stop in at the guitar center so anyway, we stop in, and they've got not just guitars, they've just got instruments galore, and it's just a creative burst, and and I'm just, I go crazy, like I play them full tilt in the store. You know, Jordan's sitting there, and I'm just like playing every instrument, just that like full octane showing off, and because I just, if I don't have that creative release, I go crazy. Well, anyway, we're ending up on this, so at the very end, I get a little egg shaker for Micah, who's nine, and I get a little bag of picks for Isaac because he plays guitar, and I got him a combo pack of small picks, big picks for guitar. And then I brought a brownie home for Rush because Rush loves bacon brownies. And then I told Gracie, I didn't get her anything this trip, but I'll get her something else. I spent a cumulative of under 5 or $6, but when I walked in that door, I was able to spend two minutes with each kid encouraging them inward toward their dreams micah loves music and he doesn't have the fine motor skills to play like piano or guitar at a really adequate level yet 
So I got him the little egg. Um, how do I? <laughs> this is like that shaker thing. <laughs> how do you do this and not look really bad? But anyway, I said, this is a little instrument that he can play with the family that he can't screw up with and he can just learn rhythm. Because it's really important with kids if you want them to be musical. Basically start with percussion and bells that they can't screw up. And they'll give them confidence. So anyway, I brought him a little 4 or $5 shaker. I bought Isaac like a 3 to $4 pack of picks. I got Rush a brownie that was just left over from earlier. And I was able to come home and give each of my kids a gift and spend a minute with them. And even though those gifts are super t- tiny, it just is something that's so special. And my mom used to do that for me all the time. So all that said, those are the eight things. This is Minute with Mark. Hopefully there was some value in that. And now I am off to get all dolled up and pretty, as I can be anyway. And we're going to go see Joe Polish live at the Genius Network annual megathon or whatever he calls it. So anyway, love you guys. Love your support. We'll be in touch. Okay, that's a wrap. So thank you for listening. And here's a short story. If you are resonating, kind of vibing with some of the stuff I'm throwing down, I have a $37, 100% refundable, no tricks, no gimmicks, no shenanigans, one-time offer for you to hop over at empire1000.com. And I have a little game created called Eight Figure Launchpad. And if you're interested in some of this online marketing, or even not even online marketing, just entrepreneurship at large, I have a seven or eight level game. Jaden, how many levels is that game? I forget. I believe it's seven levels. Okay, it's seven levels. It's 37 bucks. It's 100% guaranteed. If you don't love it, all you do, we have easy refunds. We do not hassle. We love our buyers. We love you. And really, it's just a simple touch to actually possibly get in to building yourself a digital business, one that can give you lifestyle, freedom, um, a ceilingless wealth capacity. If you're creative, there's products you can make on on dogs, on painting, on mothering, on fathering, on just it never ends. And so I just want to introduce you to the world. It's 37 bucks, less than a pair of shoes, less than a meal out, less than a uh, day at the movies. Empire1000.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-E 1000.com. Now, here's what happens. As soon as you buy that, you're going to be sent to login. Now, better than that, as soon as you buy it, you're going to be sent into our private Facebook group. Now, that group has over a 1,000 people in it. It's bumping. It's fun. And you get to interact with people like-minded all over the country and the world. I think the real value is getting added to the Facebook group. It's private. I do a lot of secrets. Not secrets. <laughs> secret. I don't do secret stuff in there, but I do stuff that's exclusive just inside that group. You're going to get first access to our live events, which are all over. Our mansion masterminds, which are at some of the best properties in real estate in the world. And I really want to I want to tempt, as you can tell, I'm working here. $37 one time. Empire1000.com. I'll see you in there. Appreciate your listenership. And if you're not interested... If there's somebody that you know that, that you're like, you know what, this Minute with Mark stuff, I think Joe would really resonate with it. I think Catherine would really resonate with it. I think my my 19-year-old college daughter would really resonate with it. If you would do me a favor and pass it over there, because we see every month people unleashed and beginning an entrepreneurial 
career from a $37 introductory price idea. So anyway, Empire1000.com, get me out of here.